0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. My name is Spencer Walsh, and on today's show. Trump has officially congratulated Vladimir Putin. His national security advisors warned him not to. He did it anyway. Here's what the Dan Lipinski primary means in Illinois. He is, as of now, in the lead uh, over there. And Philadelphia DA Larry Krasner is kicking butt for progressives in uh, Philadelphia. Uh, (laughs) Philadelphia DA uh, Larry Krasner is really promising a criminal justice revolution, it's a big deal, and he's set up to be very big with the community, because he says he's unopposed to releasing Meek Mill, yeah, Meek Mill, he said, I'm unopposed to it, so, uh, we can do that, right, yeah, so he is really changing things up, and I really want to get into the story, but first we have our, our, our eat our vegetables, because <laughs> that pretty much, that's pretty much that's where it makes it, um, like where we have the, um, where we have the uh, other stories today, and then a whole other plan. We have that story. I'm really happy to, we'll be really happy to do that. So, President Trump did not spol- follow specific warnings from his national security advisors Tuesday when he congratulated Russian President Vladimir Putin on his reelection, including, excuse me, including a section in his briefing materials in all capital letters stating. Do not congratulate, according to officials familiar with the call. So he can call to congratulate anyway, even though Donald Trump's national security advisors uh, expressly warned him not to. Donald Donald Trump's national security advisors are not the brightest people. They kind of, and they kind of don't really have a lot of control over them, and that situation was evidence here. He ignored kind of a direct order of uh, his... um, uh, of his uh, superior uh, of his advisors here so I guess it really wasn't under order but Trump also chose not to heed the talking points from aides constructing him to condemn the recent poisoning of a former Russian spy in Britain with a powerful nerve agent a case that both the British and US governments have officially blamed on Moscow in a, in a joint statement with many other countries uh in the European region um, so the president's conversation with Putin, which Trump described as a very good call, prompted fresh criticism of his muted tone towards one of the U.S.'s biggest geopolitical rivals. Made the special counsel's investigation into Russian election interference and the Trump campaign's contacts with the Russian officials. So, and I mean, I think that is again a pretty big, uh, a a very interesting situation. It's it's a question that really all, all Americans should have, but it I don't I mean I I don't think there should be a real serious question like a a money laundering kind of question like that Trump's currently being accused of now but what i think Americans should really want to know is like why like why is this change so i mean does he actually believe that is that who he is he just he just want better relations like he says better relations being kind of more of a being more kind of a, a friendly open improve our relationship with Russia kind of things just generally so we don't do any more war like he kind of uh suggested on the campaign Or does he want something else? Or is there some other kind of reason why he is being so unprecedentedly friendly towards a huge, as Washington Post reports, a geopolitical rival? And it is really, oh, okay. So, yeah, that's some breaking news here. Very rare that we get breaking news on the show. We get reports now that the Austin bombing suspect is dead after detonating a bomb in his vehicle. Uh, the police chief says. So, the police, unfortunately, they couldn't get to him in time to get him alive. Uh, he detonated, um, the, uh, the bomb, another bomb, uh, in his vehicle, according to the police chief. So, we'll get you more on this right now. So, yeah, since March 2nd, there's been a serial bomber leaving explosive packages around Texas's capital, Austin, anyway, uh, and that is that is what we've been seeing as yeah, there has been explosive packages pretty much put around the around the city of Austin for since March second and the twenty-one day nightmare is over. Unfortunately we haven't really gotten uh we really haven't gotten to cover too much of it. But a suspect wave in the box a uh, suspect in a wave of bombing attacks in Austin killed himself in a car with an explosive device early Wednesday as authorities closed in. Police said the bombings killed two people and left the Texas Capitol with fear for 19 days. So that, that nightmare is over. Anyway, we we go back to our story now. So, uh, yeah, the president's conversation with Putin, which Trump described as a very good call. Uh, He said it was a quote-unquote, a very good call, very suspiciously. Although uh, the Trump administration has taken a tougher stance uh, toward Russia recently, including new sanctions last week on some entities for election meddling and cyber attacks, the president has declined to forcefully join London in denouncing Moscow for the poisoning of Sergei Skirpal and his daughter Yulia in Salisbury, England, last month. They remain also critically ill. Uh, Trump told reporters that he had offered a, uh, offered his well-wishes on Putin's six-year term during a conversation that covered a range of topics, including arms control and the security situations in Syria and North Korea. White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders told reporters that Surkhal Skirpal's case was not dismissed. Information on Syria... I'm uh, sorry, uh, Skirpal's case was not discussed with Putin, uh, apparently... Um, yeah, so Trump, t- he said, well wishes, arms control, security st- situation in Syria and North Korea. So nothing, apparently, on the Russian meddling, or not surprisingly. Um, uh, so yeah, apparently, information on Syria and North Korea was also provided to the president in writing before the call, officials said. So he just couldn't think of, like, oh, information you want to talk to him about, which is kind of funny, but not a big deal. Will probably be meeting. In the non too distant future, Trump said to Putin, though Sanders emphasized that nothing is planned. The White House press official also declined to comment on the briefing materials given to Trump. Two people familiar with the no cards acknowledged that they followed instructions uh, not to congratulate Putin. Uh, they included instructions not to in- congratulate Putin, but a senior White House official emphasized that National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster did not mention the issue during a telephone briefing, briefing with the president, who was in the White House residence, ahead of and during his conversation with Putin. So he wasn't actually in the he wasn't actually in the room with him as he was doing it so there wasn't he didn't do it like from the Oval Office where he called AIDS and pretty much was like he was pretty much like yeah uh good job bud uh, congrats on your really authentic election win there buddy uh am I doing am I doing good enough for you Yeah, it's not clear whether Trump read the notes. Administration officials said Trump, who initiated the call, opened it with congratulations from Putin. And and this again is really, really weird. Like, why is he initiating this call? Is just because, again, he wants to have better relationships with Russia. Like, is that just something he wants to do? He just wants to prove it authentically on the on the our our uh, improve our global political uh, landscape here. And is lightening us up with Russia, or is there some kind of other motivation? Uh, that's something that Americans should be asking. Why is he that friendly with Russia? Like no other president has been this friendly before this. Um, and it's interesting to see the Democrats—they take such a tough stance on Russia now, even after. Uh, I mean, obviously we get the replay button, whole thing from a few years ago, and then Obama pretty much saying to Mitt Romney in a debate, a very memorable line. The 1980s are calling for their foreign policy back when Russia was mentioned by Mitt Romney as one of the biggest uh, factors rivals on the global political stage. Now that is completely flipped and it is just so incredible to see that that went by so quickly just just the it's the Trump effect. I guess you could say. Uh, yeah. So um, the president's tone to Putin drew a rebuke from Senator John McCain of Arizona um, who is not doing too well, unfortunately, by the way, uh, with his fight with brain cancer. Um, an American president does not lead the free world by congratulating dictators on winning sham elections, and by doing so with the Vladimir with Vladimir Putin, President Trump insulted every Russian citizen who was denied the right to vote in a free and fair election. Um. Yeah, Putin's latest. Uh, so, sorry, uh, Putin's latest consolidation of power in what foreign policy analyst says was a rigged election, where he got seventy six percent of the vote against several minor candidates. Uh, some world uh, leaders have hes- hesitated to congratulate Putin since his re-election occurred in, in an environment of state control, of uh, much of the news media, and which, with his prominent opponent, barred from the ballot. So, Alexei Navalny barred from the ballot, and you could you get the sense it would have been really a lot closer if they had had Alexei, Alexei Navalny uh, in there. So, uh, Bob Corker, chairman said uh uh, uh Senate, chairman of the Senate Foreign relations committee appeared less concerned noting that trump offered congratulations to other leaders of more totalitarian states i wouldn't read much into it he says i mean nah that's his take um yeah but a very interesting thing uh ballot stuffing apparently uh with vladimir putin uh in in favor of vladimir putin in this a new video that just leaked here, um, and that that that's gonna be something to look into, so pretty much in the video, there's like this woman who comes in and just puts a whole clump of ballots in, boom, boom, which is not very good and is not the way you're supposed to do it, uh anyway, so. That will do it for the story. Coming up next, the Dan Lipinski Marine-Newman Primary. What it means for Illinois. This is the Spencer Walsh Radio Network. Your show will return in just four minutes. Pendo on the beat. gentlemen, welcome back to today's show. This is News Flash. My name is Spencer Walsh. Uh, yeah, so we got a lot of stuff to get into here today, and yeah, so here's what we got: What Dan Lipinski and Marie Newman they had a primary last night, a race that was watched as a bellwether between the future of the uh, for the future of the Democratic Party. A contest between Dan Lipinski. And Marie Newman for the Democratic nomination to represent Illinois' third Congress congressional district went fittingly late into the night without a clear winner, with ninety-five percent of the um with with ninety-five percent of the precincts counted by early Wednesday, Lipinski was clinging to a lead of less than one thousand six hundred votes out of roughly ninety thousand cast. So on Tuesday morning, uh, Politico's summed uh summed up Washington sinking on the debate. Uh, the heated primary is there still a room for uh in the Democratic Party for a Blue Dog who opposes abortion rights? There isn't, but there just isn't. I don't care what happens. There really just isn't. I never believed anything more strongly. Uh, there, yeah, the race was a signal of which direction the party was headed. The question Politico posed is the wrong one for this particular district. It's such comfortable. It's such a comfortable Democratic seat that Lopinski didn't face an opponent in the general election in 2016. And if he hangs on to his lead, he'll face a fringe candidate with a neo-Nazi past in the 2018 general. Uh, Democrat uh, Hillary Clinton easily carried the district two years ago, and Bernie Sanders beat Clinton there. So yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah, pretty much you if you win this seat, you win the seat. If you win this race, you win the seat. If you win the primary, you win the seat. There will be a Democrat representing this area because the guy on the Republican side is Arthur Jones. If you don't know who Arthur Jones is, look him up, because he is one of the biggest neo-Nazis out there in the country today. He's a Holocaust denier. He is very anti-Semitic. Um, yeah, he, he does not have a very good past at all. And he he gained popular on TV. He, people need to know that he's a Nazi. And if they think, oh, Arthur Jones, he seems like a good fella, and they check the box for him, that could be a little problematic. The questions about the future of the party gained new momentum after Connor Lamb's upset victory in the special election in a deeply conservative western Pennsylvania district last week, with centrist Democrats arguing that his win showed the truth path was through moderation. They cited Lamb's embrace of gun culture, his personal but not political opposition to abortion, and his unwillingness to, pay back, uh, to back single-payer health care. Um, the Democratic Party has to have positions. We like. What are the positions here? Are the positions? I don't hate blacks, gays, Latinos, etc., etc., et cetera, et cetera, and just vote for me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a Republican and everyone else, but I'm a little, a little bit more uh, socially, uh, socially liberal, socially liberal. Then the Democratic Party has to have a clear set of positions. If you think, if you go through the key issues, you could sum it up in like a, in about a sentence: anti-immigration, uh, anti-abortion, um, uh, anti-immigration, anti-abortion, anti-abortion, and tax cuts for the rich. That's what you can sum up, or, or just tax cuts, just generally to be fair. We'll sum it up like that: tax cuts. Uh, that's the Republican ideology. But, on the Democratic side, it's, it needs the debt. The progressives, they have a true clear ideology. They have a true clear message that can be summed up very easily in one sentence. Stop the wars. Living wage. Medicare for all. free. Co- the Bernie Sanders platform that seemed so revolutionary back in 2016, but all in just two years, boom. It seemed like a very uh, possible thing. Like, Americans are getting on board. Of it. They are in majority in favor. If you go position by position... Uh, Bernie Sanders' positions are really overwhelmingly favored. Yeah, but it'll be very interesting. So, a more precise question is, is there still room for a solidly democratic, in a solidly democratic district for a blue dog who opposes abortion rights, LGBT rights, immigrant rights, a $15 hour minimum wage, and voted against Obamacare? Obamacare. This mother effer voted against Obamacare. And, um... The answer, at least, is at least in Illinois' third district, is probably for now, uh, which is very strange. But the race also answered a different question, one perhaps more relevant to the future of the party. Uh, can the uh, progressive wing of the party mount a powerful enough challenge to entrench well funded incumbents that it can threaten the status quo? Uh, the answer to the question is clearly yes. They can definitely threaten the status quo. Um, Uh, Lipinski may have held on, but he got the kind of political scare that no incumbent really wants. Uh, Newman, taking the stage at her election night party in Mars, at the Mars Tap Room in Chicago's Bridgeport neighborhood, declined to concede the race, but said... Whatever happens, voters had shocked Lipinski in a more progressive place. No matter what happens, we have moved him on immigration. We moved him on healthcare. I scared the crap out of him on 12 versus 15, a reference to the debate over minimum wage. Uh, there, m- there's many things we can move him, uh, move on more. So let's be clear: the fight is not over. It's not done. Just at present, the threat was became clear uh, because about two hours after the polls closed. The vote totals show Newman who had been trailing two to three points all night was surging ahead. Mars Taproom, volunteers and staffers hugged each other with one screaming. I can't believe this is happening. News Newman slightly lasted only a few minutes before um Lipinski crawled back on top for the rest of the night. Um uh, it, it's it'll be it'll be very interesting. Um to see if it it be very, very interesting to see what happens um with this uh with this, with this uh, race, well, not necessarily with this race, but if they can get him to move more aggressive as well, I was at the very end of this race. I personally thought he would win, uh, she would win, just because of her super personal positions here, uh, super uh, as opposed to uh, really progressive positions versus the really Republican Democrat. Uh, if Newman decides to run though in twenty twenty, she'd be in the favor of the race. Um, This cycle, an actual neo-Nazi ran unopposed in the GOP GOP primary in the 3rd District because the state has an open primary system. Republican voters in the district could have chosen to vote in the Democratic primary and back Lipinski. That's an interesting thing. The irony of a Bernie Sanders-backed candidate losing things to crossover votes in an open primary was not lost on Twitter. Uh, Sophia Olzeba a field manager for a Newman campaign, said she doesn't doubt that some Republican voters pr- crossed over. That could be a very interesting situation. Um, uh, even when we were canvassing, a lot of homes h- had both uh, Jean Ives and Dan LePensy signs, so they could have crossed over. She was referring to the GOP gubernatorial candidate whose entire campaign was premised on our opposition to legal abortion. So that's an interesting thing. So because... She is very, 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 very anti-abortion candidate. She thought that the most unpopular governor of the country, the Republican Bruce Rauner, was not doing a more uh, a Republican enough job. So she challenged him for the gubernatorial seat. JD Pritzker, a slime dog billionaire investor, won on the Democratic side for the Illinois governor primary last night, and so that is a very unfortunate. The uh, Progressive didn't do as well in Illinois as they did in Texas, but you win some, you lose some. It definitely is going to happen. Another volunteer, Sabrina Ithoff, uh, also from the 3rd District, mentioned that an open primary format could have worked in their favor. I converted to quite a few Republicans who voted Democrat for the first time in 30, 40 years today, uh, which is pretty cool um, to see that happen with the uh, progressive positions. The Susan B. Anthony list, a group that opposes legal abortion, Made electing Lipinski a major priority, dumping big money into the race and working the ground to get uh, out the anti-abortion uh, anti-abortion vote on its behalf. Volunteers of the party uh, said that a key challenge in the campaign was familiarizing voters with Lipinski's voting record—a task they eventually got done. Our main opponent wasn't Dan Lipinski; it was the fact that Dan Lipinski's record had been hidden so long. Travis Valley, associ- uh, associate uh, associate field director for NARAL, which is a pro abortion group um i think it's i don't, I don't know what i'm not going to try and guess what it stands for um um yeah so knocking on doors on the third district uh bali said he ran into two groups the first were folks who were well aware of his record and been waiting for someone to challenge him for years the second were folks who frankly did not know It all echoed. echoed this people were shocked who said to saying gee i wonder how Lipinski votes on every issue bill Lipinski was dan follow uh uh, uh, Dan's father was pretty much an old school machine politician. was elected to Congress in 1982 and retired of the 2004 primary, replacing his name with his son, so he waltzed into Congress, no competition. He waited for two weeks before the election, and then he's like, "Nah, yeah, I'm not running." Who should I have replaced me? Hmm. I'm gonna guess my son. What? 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 No way. Yeah. Anyone born in the district? After the early 1960s had only known Lapinski on the congressional ballot, which makes his margin of victory in Chicago understandable. In 2011, Democrats redrew state boundaries. Lapinski made his own district more conservative uh, to fit his politics, so it makes sense. But in the uh, his new constituents were less familiar with him, and he was still stuck with some of the more liberal suburbs, which went for Newman on Tuesday. Uh, our main opponent was wasn't Dan Lipinski. It was the fact that Dan Lipinski's record had been him so long. That was the big point of uh, the, vo- the the volunteers took away from this. All right, so now we move to my favorite story of the day, the one I am very excited for. Uh, yeah, so when lifelong civil rights attorney Larry Krasner was elected in a landslide. This past November to become the new district attorney of Philadelphia, to say this fan's and supporters had high hopes would be an understatement. Any less than a complete revolution that tore down the bigoted, patland-fair systems of mass incarceration in Philadelphia would be a severe disappointment. Across the country, talk, talking the talk of criminal justice reform has gotten many people elected as DA. Um, once in office, their reforms have, uh, often been painfully slow and disappointing. Krasner was the first candidate elected who publicly made not just an intermittent change, but a radical overhaul. Um, so far, having been in office less than three months, uh, he has been exceeding expectations and even the very, 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 very high expectations that Progressive set for him. He has blown past those, um, and it is a sight to behold. Uh, he's keeping his word here, that's for sure. On his first week in the job, I'm, you can tell, I'm so excited. I'm bursting to read this story to you. Uh, in the first week on the job, he fired 31 prosecutors from the DA's office because w- they were not committed to the changes he intended to make. Changes never easy, but DA Krasner has, was given a clear mandate from the voters for transformational change. Uh, today's actions are necessary to achieve this agenda. Uh, next, Krasner obeyed the court order to release a uh, to release 29 officers from the Philadelphia Police Department that were on a do-not-call list, meaning that they were so tainted they would be considered unreliable as witnesses. Um, police officers on the list had even been charged with crimes crime to found a response for misconduct in internal police probes conducted by the Department's Board of Inquiry. Uh, among... Among the others, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer, police officers had lied to their fellow investigators, filed false reports, used excessive force, driven drunk, and burgled. So those are some of the uh, weird, some of the weird ones. After that, Krasner's office made it clear that he would not oppose rapper Meek Mill's release on bills, uh, bail. So that's a huge thing for the city fellow, at least the, in the streets. Um, yeah, uh, Mill, who was arrested ten years ago. Crash uh, officer sorry, said in a motion that it was likely that Meek Mill, who was arrested almost 10 years ago on drug and gun charges, would appeal on his original case. Uh, Mill is in jail, uh, Meek Mill is in jail for uh, probation violations. The sole officer who testified against Mill is Reginald Graham, who is not just on the list of unreliable cops, but was reported by a former police officer to have lied, lied under oath to put Meek Mill behind bars. All that's big, but nothing is as as essential and revolutionary as the internal five-page guiding document of the new policies that Krasner sent to his staff. So he fired 31 attorneys. He got really serious. He 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 showed he was not messing around. People around the country were pretty shocked by this. They paid attention. There were some stories about it. Um, and they were like, what the hell is going on here? Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. So, but the, this is this is real progressive change right here, um, yeah. So all this is big, but nothing isn't as essential and revolutionary as the internal five-page guiding document of the new policies that Krasner sent to his staff. Or the document appears to have been sent to the staff of the Philadelphia DA office. It only became public a week ago. Uh, um, yeah. So. There's really nothing like this document. It's a dream come true for people who have been fighting uh, their hearts out for justice reform for years. I mean, the first sentence here says it all. These policies are an effort to end mass incarcerations and bring balancing back to sentencing. Uh, Under the heading, decline certain changes, crash, and immediately instructs prosecutors to stop prosecuting marijuana possession regardless of the weight. I mean, and prosecutors were a little shocked by that. They were like, wait a minute, shouldn't we shouldn't we even if it's some weight, we should prosecute, right? And then he's like, No, no, no. Um no prosecuting marijuana charges regardless of weight. Furthermore, he instructed prosecutors to charging uh to stop charging those with marijuana uh with any paraphernalia crimes. Uh, next, Krasner instructed his prosecutors to stop charging sex workers that have had fewer than three convictions with any crime and drop all current uh, sec, uh, cases against sex workers who also fit that description. All sex workers with three or more convictions must be referred to Don Court, a special diversionary program created in 2010 for specifically for sex workers with repeat offenses, the first of its kind in the, uh, the nation. Under the heading "Divert More," Krauser instructed the prosecutors to avoid convictions if possible and guide cases th- uh, for the diversion uh, for diversion programs instead of jail or prison, what Krasner's memo said next was groundbreaking. First, Krasner instructed prosecutors to stop the wide-ranging practice of beginning plea deals with the highest possible sentencing and instead begin those plea deals at the bottom end of the available range of time that can be served. He was asking for the minimum sentence here. This is like unprecedented stuff. It's, it's, it's like breaking the mold of what prosecutors have thought to do for years. He's shattering the mold right now. It's very, very big stuff here. Um, uh, so, also, the really generally shocking part. That even shocks Sean King, he says. which he, Sean King, if you don't know, is one of the most tough uh, fighters. One of the most tough activists. He's a journalist and activist for um, criminal sentencing and reform and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, Krasner instructed his prosecutors to now add up and justify the exact costs of every single person sentenced to a crime uh, in Philadelphia. Stating that the city is currently standing in a sounding uh, $360 million per year to jail around six just 6,000 people, Krasner then gave examples of all the things that such money could be doing the city currently, stating that it costs between 42000 and 6000 per year to incarcerate a person, he uh, reminded the prosecutors that the average total family income of a person in the city was just $41,000, uh, so $360 million per year. So the annual cost of our incarceration, Krasner reminded his prosecutors, was currently more uh, per year than the beginning salary of teachers, police officers, firefighters, social workers, addiction counselors, and even the prosecutors in his office. Uh, Krasner wrote, if you're seeking three years of incarceration, uh state on the record that the cost to the taxpayer will be $126,000 uh which is three uh three times 40 uh three times $42,000 uh if not more and explain why you believe this cost is justified so state on the record tell tell yourself um a sentence of 3 years incarceration why this incarceration is going to be just so crazy and and so expensive for the taxpayers, and do we really need it here? Is it really justified? Krasner then closed out the document with five new policies, um, uh, changing the harsh probation rules in Philadelphia. It's these policies that functioned as a trap for Meek Mill. First, Krasner requested that people either be given no probation after incarceration or no more than a twelve-month probationary period. Mill has spent. Uh, Meek Mill has spent an. Outrageous 10 years on probation, a five year term extended several times to various violations, dating all the way to back when he was a teenager. Now, as a grown man, nearly 10 years later, he is being held in jail for violating that probation. So he's been on probation forever, never, 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 never. never. Uh, no probation after incarceration. That's what he's requesting, or no more than a 12 month probationary period. That's a limit. Uh, other policies aimed at drastically reducing the length of probation periods focused on the fact that, according to Krasno, Philadelphia has more than 40, uh, 44,000 people on probation. That's a really hard number to manage. What, What's more, the ranks of those, pro- those on probation are bloated by nonviolent people who shouldn't really even be in these programs. More serious cases end up being harder to track and follow with all the other ones mixed in. So yeah, really revolutionary work. We did a very big show today. Um. Uh, five minutes over Ooh, yeah anyway we will be we're done for today thanks so much for joining us and we hope to see you tomorrow